This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, chapter 13, and uh, hold your place there in chapters 12 as well. So in Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to come back a moment into Genesis 12. I want to start with a very personal question. Given where you are right now, on this day, the 21st day of August in the year 2022, would you say that your life has turned out just about the way that you expected that it would? So when you were in high school, those of you that are adults, when you were in high school, and you were asked about what are you going to do when you get out of high school, was this what you thought you would be doing? Are you living in the space, occupying the space, pursuing the dreams that you thought you would pursue when you were much younger? I think it's a difficult question. It has its own challenges because life has a a lot of twists and turns to it. I I think I can say without, without exception that my life wasn't at all the way that I envisioned it when I was in high school. In fact, I intended to be a high school history teacher. I wanted to go to college and get an educational degree and teach high school history. And I didn't do any of that. I went to college and in my freshman year, literally running from the call to ministry, I, I, I didn't want to be in the ministry. I agreed to go to a Bible college because I won a scholarship and I felt guilty not to take advantage of the scholarship, but I made myself a commitment that I wasn't going to do anything that would put me in an encounter with Jesus. Because I knew that there was a call on my life, but I didn't want it. So I want to do something else, but look where I'm at. Look what happened in my life. I've thought a good bit over the past several weeks when I've been preparing to preach this to you, that sitting in this room are people whose lives have turned out dramatically different. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and by now you thought that you would already be married. But Mr. Wright or Miss Wright has not shown up yet. And if you're not careful, the doubt will creep in that maybe your standards are just too high. Maybe you expected that you would be in a much better shape financially than you are right now. But when you think about it, you're working two or three jobs just to pay the bills. And sometimes you wonder why you're not blessed the way that others are. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, after the last therapy session, I fully expected to be in a better place physically than I am right now. But the daily pain is still so hard to manage. And you wonder if you've been wasting your time and your money. I've always been a forward thinker. And I've always tried to challenge people around me to think ahead. To think about the future. 
In fact, this past Thursday, when our staff and team leaders met, we took an extended session and we talked about the dreams and things that were in our heart that were out there in 2023 and beyond. And it was, it was a powerful and emotional session with tears and, and the presence of the Lord that came in the room as we were talking about the things that God is putting in our hearts. And, I, and I'm saying to all of you this morning that God made you to be a dreamer. He made you to be somebody who could dream about the future. Because that's the way God is. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts that I have about you. God is dreaming about your future. He's planning the things that are ahead of you. He's already out there in tomorrow preparing and helping to get things ready when you get there. The problem is that we don't dream anymore. Most of us don't dream anymore. We're too busy paying bills and raising kids. And if we're honest, we've forgotten about some of the dreams that we once had buried in our heart with anticipation that one day they would come to pass. Maybe it was the dream job or, or, or maybe, it was the, the, maybe there was a different context of our life that was buried in our hearts as a dream. We don't dream anymore. The pressure and strain of life has taken from us that dreaming aspect, that excitement and enthusiasm. Several years ago, when I first came to Lake Erie, in fact, it was on the last Sunday of 2019, I preached a message called Your Life in Five Years. I don't know if any of you remember that. Don't expect you to. But in that message, I went back and looked and I, I quoted to you or I spoke to you this statement that I want to do again. That you and I tend to under, underestimate what we can accomplish in short term, in the long term, and we overestimate what we can get done in our life in the short term. So think about that. We underestimate what we can do in our life in the long term, but we overestimate what we get done in the short term. So we say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. And we overestimate because it took us three years to put the 50 on. And you're not going to take it off in that short of time. But that's what we do in life. We're going to fix it right now. We're going to get it done right now. And we don't appreciate the fact that it takes longer to get big things done. And with God, sometimes it's a journey to get to the place where God wants you to be. So when you think about your life, you think about the next five years. You think about what you're going to do, the dreams that you have in your life over the next five years. What are they? One of the things that are keeping you awake at night as you anticipate what's out there in the future. Is it good or is it bad? God wants you to know that, as I said a few weeks ago, He wants you to have a great life. And He wants you to be excited about the fact that He is helping you to build the great life that you've always wanted. He's the center of that. He's the focus of that. And when you, you have these anticipations, as long as you put your faith in Him. So I read something not too long ago, and I want to read it to you. So open your Bibles to Genesis 13, and I'll ask you to stand up for the reading of these four verses. Genesis 13. Genesis 13. 
the story of Abraham. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. It reads this way. So Abraham left Egypt, traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Verse 2, Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. And from the Negev they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai where they had camped before. Verse 4 says, this was the same place. Everybody say same place. This was the same place where Abraham had built the altar and there he worshipped the Lord again. You can be seated. So here's the story. It really needs a little bit of context so you can understand it. One chapter before, and you'll want to keep your Bible open because we're going to go back to chapter 12 in a second. One chapter before, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to pack up all your stuff. I want you to gather your family and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. He doesn't tell him where. He doesn't give him a map. He just simply says, I want you to go. Can we just stop being spiritual for one moment and imagine what it was like when Abraham got home that night. And he said, baby, pack it all up. We're out of here. Where are we going? I don't know. How long will we be there? I don't know that either. What's it like? I don't know. All I know is that you're supposed to pack it all up. We're supposed to go. The remarkable thing is Sarah did it. She packed it up and they left. They moved away and then they come to this place that I just read where they built an altar and that, at that altar God said to him, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. All the people of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. What a moment. Your life is going to be amazing, Abraham. You're going to be the father of all nations. Later, God would say to him, look at the stars. See those stars? If you could count those stars, then you could also count all the descendants that you're going to have. Now, what's interesting is Abraham had no kids. He had no children, no descendants. But God was saying, I'm going to do something miraculous and you're going to have a great life. Well, right after that, just a verse or two after that, the Bible said, that a famine came in the land. And so Abraham took his wife and they go down to Egypt. On their way down to Egypt, he looks at his wife and he says to her, you are so gorgeous. I think this is going to be a problem for us how beautiful you are. Because when we get down there, they're going to look at you and how gorgeous you are. They're going to kill me and take you. So here's what we'll do. Let's tell them that we're brother and sister. And Sarah did it. And they told them brothers and sisters. And sure enough, Pharaoh was attracted. The word got out. Pharaoh brought her to the house and was going to make her his wife. And all sorts of plagues started happening. All sorts of bad things started happening in Pharaoh's house. And he figured out. He discerned what it was. And he brings Abraham in. He said, what are you, what are you doing, man? This was your wife. Why did you give her to me as your sister? 
And the Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 12 that Pharaoh had all of Abraham's family thrown out of Egypt. Now, I want you to imagine as they're walking out of Egypt what it must have been like. I'm just telling you, it was either loud or it was silent. One or the other. Either Sarah blew him up or she didn't say a word. Either way, it was torment for Abraham. And they're marching their way back. What, where did they go? See, that's the way sometimes life is. You start out on a journey, you think you're going in the right direction and everything gets flipped around. The x-ray comes back with a spot on it or, or the job fizzles out and they let you go or, or the relationship goes bad and the person you thought you were going to be with the rest of your life leaves you for somebody else and your life just gets flipped upside down. What do you do? You do just exactly what Abraham did. Look in your Bible again and go back to chapter 13, what we read, and read what it says. In verse 4, verse, verse 3, from the Negev they continued traveling toward Bethel and they pitched their tents, bet tents between Bethel and Ai where they had camped before. This is the same place where Abraham had built the altar and there he worshipped the Lord again. So what did Abraham do? He circled back and started over. He circled back to where he was and he started over. You see, the problem sometimes is that we look at ourselves and we're not where we thought we were going to be. Maybe we made mistakes. Maybe we're something we're supposed to do differently. And we find ourselves out here in a place where we don't realize or did not ever anticipate we would be. What are you going to do? You circle back and start over. You see, some of you sitting here today, when I ask you what you want to be, what you want to be doing in five years, maybe you said, I want to pay off all my debts. Some of you may have said, I want to start a family. Or I want to have a different career. Or, or I'd like to find a companion. Or I want to take a dream vacation. I want, to, I want to make an outrageous amount of money. Can I just tell you this morning? I don't think it matters what's on your list. I don't think it matters to God what's on your dreaming list. As long as you are committing it to the Lord. As long as you're submitting your dreams and your ambitions and your, your anticipations to the Lord. As long as you're committing that. I don't think God cares what you're dreaming about as long as you're committing it to Him. Now there's one thing you have to watch. If you're going to be a dreamer, I want to, you've got to watch for this. You've got to watch for dream killers. You're probably no one, don't you? You know what they say, oh, that's a stupid idea. You can't make no money doing that. It'll never work out. You need to go to college first. You can't do that. They're, they're dream killers. 
And you have to watch how much you let them influence you. You do need people. You do need wise counsel. You need, do need to be accountable. But you don't need to let people kill the dreams that you have in your heart. You need to live to the Lord and trust in Him. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. Did you hear that? He, God, will direct your path. If you do what? If you don't lean on your own understanding and you don't try to make it about yourself, but you acknowledge Him in all of your ways, if you commit your dream list, if you, if you commit your dream plans, if you commit them to the Lord and submit yourself to Him, He directs your path. Students, listen to me. Some of you here and there's others of you other places, but I'm going to talk right here. Listen. You may wonder if you're going to make the right decisions. You're going to wonder if you're going to meet the right person. You're going to wonder if you're going to make the right choices. Here's how you can be sure. If you commit your way to the Lord, if you give Him your whole heart, if you surrender yourself to the Lord, then He makes sure, because He directs your path, He makes sure you meet the right person. He makes sure you pick the right college. He makes sure you're in the right relationship. If you commit yourself to the Lord, He directs our path. And it, makes it, just, it just makes it so much different the problem is, if we're honest, that you and I constantly live in the tension of what we want it to be and what it is. And like Abraham, we are often so easily tempted to take it on ourselves and do it ourselves. I heard Shelley on the phone the other day talking with someone I don't know what the context was, and I'm not actually sure who she was even talking to. But I heard her say this, have you prayed about this? And when she said that, it just clicked in my mind that so quickly sometimes we fail to pray about things that are so monumental in our life. I'm telling you, my mama wouldn't buy a car she didn't pray over. My mother didn't do a lot of things in her life without praying over it. And if I said something to her, I said, I need to make a decision. She said, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. And she said, we're going to pray about this. Don't make a decision until you have an answer from the Lord. Just pray. Because you see, if you commit yourself to the Lord, He helps you to understand that you don't have to direct your own path. I think I'll say that again. That if you commit your way to the Lord, you don't have to direct your own path. Your future is not depending on you and the decisions that you make. It's you surrendering yourself to the Lord and allowing the Lord to work through you to bring about His will. The tension between where we are. See, here, here's, the, here's the, the troubling thing. You want to be married by now. And since the right person hasn't shown up, you know what you're tempted to do is to rush ahead and get involved with the wrong person. And you short-circuit your dreams and your future. You want to be making more money by now and you've been passed up for promotion after promotion and you believed that God had given you a dream but it didn't work out so you quit the job 
And you go find another one and you realize that you've walked away from the place of God's purpose in your life. Because you decided it was about you and the decisions that you made. Notice what Abraham did. After he had screwed up and messed up the things in his family, he went right back to the place where God made the promise. He went right back to the place where God spoke to him. Right back to the place where God said, I'm going to make something great out of you. I'm going to do something powerful in your life. He went back to that place and he knelt by that altar and he worshiped the Lord again in that place. Because when life gets messed up, you don't have to take the burden on yourself. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've made some wrong decisions. Maybe you've rushed ahead and you've put yourself in a tough spot. Go back to the altar. Go back to the place where God made His promise to you. Go back to the place where He touched your heart and made you fresh and worship the Lord there in that place. And start over. Abraham circled back and he started over again. What does that mean? Well, there's a number of ways to say it, but let's, let's do it this way. In our context, he would say, we would say, they went back to the old job and reapplied. They ended the bad relationship with the guy or the girl and they started over again. They asked forgiveness for being a jerk and got a second chance. They paid the money back, made things right, started over. They admitted that they had overreacted. And so they tried again. You see, there is no limit to the second chances that God will give you if your heart is right. You hear me? There's no limit to the second chances that God will give you. If your heart is right, if you bring him the sincerity of your mess and you lay it before him and you honestly are real with God and say, this is what I did, this is who I am and I need you to forgive me and set me free, guess what? He will. He will. And I don't care how much you've messed it up. We serve a God who does incredible restoration work. We serve a God who does amazing marriage restoration, amazing family restoration, amazing physical restoration. God is a God of second chances. You see, I, uh, I've been in some of those places. I've been in some of those spots. In the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, I was living in Lexington, Kentucky, and I needed something. I was, I was struggling, and I needed something. And a man came by where I was, and he preached in a service where I attended, and I've never forgotten it. It's in John chapter 21, verse 1. Here was, here was the passage. And Jesus showed himself again. To his disciples. I don't know why that hit me the way it did. But it got me on a search to think about how many times after the resurrection. That Jesus showed up and showed himself to the disciples again. 
I mean, you would, you would think that one time would be enough. But the Bible just consistently talks about in those 40 days, he showed himself again to the disciples. He showed himself again to the people on the road at Emmaus. And it dawned on me that that's the story of my life. It's not the fact that at the age of five I knelt and asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and accepted Him as my personal Savior. It's been through all the years that I've gone back to the altar where God made His promise and I've worshipped Him again and the Lord showed Himself to me again. And I got up a new person, a new individual because God had given me a second chance. It's the fact that he shows himself again and again and again and again. And every time you mess up and every time you need him, you can go back to the altar where he made his promise and you can say, Lord, I need you. And guess what? Again, he'll do a new work in you. He'll do a new work in you. Because that's the God that he is. Again, I'd like for Ty and uh, Cade to join me here on the stage. Where are they at? Okay. Okay, it's going to be Kalia. Great. Grab them and come right here. Stand by me right here on the stage, if you will, please. Come over here. You stand on that side right here. You stand right here. Okay, good. I love these kids. They're so talented. In fact, Kalia made these signs for me. Thank you, Kalia, for doing that. I appreciate you doing that for me. You see, sometimes you just have to start over. You just have to start over. You keep trying to, you know, what, what is it we say, Shelly, if you just do the same thing over and over, you get the same result over and over. At some point, you have to start over. You've got to come back and lay it on the line. And be real with God and say, this is who I am. This is what I did. I need a do-over. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you wanted to start your own business by now, but you're stocking shelves after hours and working a third job. What do you do? You build an altar where you are, and you worship God there. You long for a meaningful relationship, but it's another weekend and nobody's coming. And nobody's hitting your profile on the dating app. What do you do? Here where I am, I will build an altar and I will worship. You've been doing everything that they tell you to do for the cancer. But your last report shows more spread and you're losing hope. What do you do? Right here. Right here, right now, you build an altar in that place and you worship Him. You're trying to raise your children in the fear of the Lord, but you're dealing with a rebellious child who will not respond to God's call appropriate. What do you do? You build an altar in the place where God made His promise over your children and you worship Him there in that place. Because if you don't do it that way, if you don't follow that pattern, then you're going to be tempted to try to take the shortcut. And here's how you can tell if somebody's trying to take the shortcut. It's going to be something like this. This is the way it'll say. They'll say something like, Oh, I'll, I'll get my, my addictions together. You know, I, when I get over there, 
When I get there, I'll, I'll get that together. But over here, I'm not having any problem. I'm managing it pretty well. We're doing okay. I, I'll deal with my problems and my issues over there. Or, or maybe it's like, I know our marriage is in trouble. I know we're having problems here. But we won't be here forever. We'll be over there soon. And we get over there, we'll fix it. And you just keep putting it off. Because you think eventually you're going to get there. You think you're eventually going to get there. And here's the thing that you don't realize. Flip it over. Because when you get there, you're here. And you're still in the same spot. You're still here. There is no there. The moment you get there, it's here. You have to decide at some point what you're going to do and how you're going to respond and what's going to be the future. One last thought. Maybe the thing you need to hear me say this morning is this. That while you're in this journey to be where you want to be in your life, to get from here to there, while you're trying to go from here to there, the most important thing to realize is that who you are becoming is more important than where you're going. Who you are becoming is more important than where you're going. Because if you ever get there and you lose your heart and you give away your virtue and you give away the uniqueness and the specialness that God put in you, what do you got? What does it matter if you get there and you're not who you're supposed to be? We see it all the time. People chasing there, chasing there, trying to get there because they believe somehow or another there is the answer. And when they get there, they're still hopeless, helpless. Who you are becoming is more important than where you're going. See, you, if you're not careful... You will postpone the decisions and the prayers that you need to pray in order for you to be where God wants you to be. And I say this with great care and sincere humility. Maybe you are in a bad marriage. Maybe you are in financial ruin. Maybe you are addicted to a habit, to a chemical, to something that you can't stop. Maybe you do have a pattern of repeating the same mistakes over and over and over in your life. What can you do? Go back to the altar where he made the promise and start over again. You know, you read the story of Abraham, you realize that every promise God ever made Abraham came true. He did become the father of many nations, both the Jewish nation and, and the Islamic nation. He was the father of both. He became a man whose descendants were greater than the sands of the seashore. Everything that God promised came true. Here's the thought. Jerome, if you'll get ready to play. Here's the thought. All of those promises happened 
after Abraham decided to obey and trust the Lord. The moment that you decide, as we have said for the last several weeks, I'm going to say yes to God. The moment that you decide that you're going to put your full trust in the Lord. The moment that you decide that you're going to make Christ the King and Lord of your life. You're really going to do what He says to do. You're really going to follow after the Word of the Lord. You're really going to seek the counsel of God for the things and decisions that you're making. That's the moment that God's promises become true. And God fulfills the promises that He made in your life. So I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm encouraging you this morning. Quit trying to get there. Focus on here. Come back to an altar where God made that promise. And allow God once again to do something again in your heart and your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Lord, somebody in this room needs you today. You brought somebody here today because there's a missing part of their life. There's a void that needs to be filled. Life comes at us so fast, God. It comes at us so quick. We sometimes make decisions so quick, so fast that we make mistakes. We don't always take the time to call on you to help us. So forgive us, Lord. We're in the mess that we're in mostly because of us, because of ourselves. We're struggling because of decisions that we made sometimes years ago. So we come back to the altar this morning. And it may not be easy and it may not be uncomplicated, but the only answer for our future is you. So we come back to this place where you have made so many promises to us. We kneel again at the altar where you once did such a remarkable thing. We bring our messed up lives. We bring our broken relationships. We bring our disappointments and our sorrows. We bring our pain, our suffering, our physical ailments. We bring our marriages and we bring our children to this altar this morning. And we seek for a God who would be willing to do it again. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.